connected. I'm so glad you're here tonight. I wish there were a house full of people like you that knew how important it was to stay connected to the Lord and the house of God in times like these. Amen. In a day when less is more, less church is not better. Amen. It is just not better. Hebrews says that as you see that day approaching, that you should so much the more assemble yourselves together. Thank you for coming tonight. I hope that you'll stir somebody else up and uh, get them to come with you next Wednesday night. We'll have a great time. If you have your Bibles and would turn with me, you can remain seated. I'm going to read a lengthy portion of Scripture from the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, very familiar passage of Scripture. And then I am going to take you to the Old Testament and the writings of the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, we know well the portion of Scripture that uh, I have chosen to read from tonight, but I have been, the Lord has been uh, speaking to me about this and around this for the last few days, and I have not been able to get away from it again today, and so I guess tonight would be a good night to give you what I feel like the Lord uh, has put in my heart. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse number 10, reads like this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith wherein or wherewith we, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And everyone said, Amen. Now hold your finger there and turn over and put your finger in the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter. And I'm going to go to that in a little while, but uh, just keep it for safekeeping right now. Amen. And everybody said amen to the Word of God. I want to talk to you tonight. I really don't know what to call it. I hate to give titles to messages or sermons or Bible studies because it sometimes limits uh, what the Lord might be able to say in my ignorance uh, but in, in his wisdom that would speak to you. But 
this is what has been going over in my spirit. And for a lack of a better uh, uh, title, I'm going to call it the most difficult battle strategy. The most difficult battle strategy. How many of you understand tonight that we are in a battle? That life is a battle? That it is uh, a war? I think we all recognize that. Even non-spiritual people understand that life is a battle. It's a conflict. And it is a constant uh, uh, dealing with pressures and problems. But what has been... Uh, what has been pressing on my mind is the fact that there are there's no one among us who has not been at at a place in life or perhaps you are even at that place tonight that you literally did not know what to do there's nobody that has lived very long in life that has not faced a situation when you literally just didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to say. You didn't know where to turn. You didn't know what to do. All of us face situations and we deal with difficulties and troubles in life that come from time to time to be overwhelming. And I think all of us are determined to win in some way. But there are times when we get to that place that we don't know what to do. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know where to turn or what next to say? When you have done, as the Apostle Paul mentioned here, you have done all. He said, when you have done all. Evidently, he was envisioning a great, uh, a great exertion of spiritual energy that living for God was not some lazy float down the river, but it was a battle and there was a war and there was going to be a conflict and you're going to have to do everything in your power that you can. But when you have done all, when you've done, when you've done all that you can do and, and you've said all that you can say and yet all that you've done and all that you've said is not enough or it doesn't change the situation. What happens when you've done all that you know to do, all that you can do, all that you're capable of doing, but nothing changes? What do you do when you don't know what to do? During times of trouble that I'm talking about, we place a great stress in our life on what we can do. And I think anybody that is going through trouble or dealing with problems in your life or your family or your uh, whatever, your job, whatever it is that you're dealing with trouble in, I think all of us understand and we place a great deal of, of stress on what we can do what we are capable of accomplishing. And we many times think that, that in all our doing, something is going to happen. But what happens when you do all and nothing happens? What happens when you pray 
and there is no apparent answer. What happens when you are at your wit's end? And how many tonight are maybe at their wit's end? In here, here tonight, I don't know. I, I know how stressing life can be, and I do know that there are people that I've, I've seen that are at the breaking point. But what I want to talk to you about tonight is what I believe is the most difficult thing to do in your time of trouble. The most difficult thing to do in your time of stress. In our text, Paul outlines some very important things. Number one, he outlines for us who our enemy is. And he makes it very clear what it is that we're facing, who it is that we're facing he describes him carefully, uh, where he is located, where the attacks are motivated from, what he even looks like. And he doesn't look like the image that many cartoonists have planted of him as uh, this red figure with horns and a long tail and a pitchfork. Uh, he, he comes as an angel of light many times, but his spirit is, is manifest in the location. Uh, and, and the Bible said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so he very carefully lines out, he makes it clear who our enemy is, and then he gives to us the very needed armor and the very needed arsenal that a person is going to have to have in, a, in order to face that kind of adversary. He, he speaks about the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit. And, and all of that is extremely important. And I think most anybody that's lived for God any length of time has learned how valuable the armor of God is. How valuable that arsenal that God has given us is. That, that you do have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that you do have the shield of faith. And I like what it says about the shield of faith. That it is able to quench all of the fiery darts of the enemy. It doesn't matter what the enemy flings at us. It doesn't matter what he shoots at us. It doesn't matter what comes our way. The shield of faith is able to repel that. It doesn't prevent me from going through things, but it keeps me while I'm going through those things. And so the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit and prayer and all of the other things that are mentioned are so critically important to a person who is intent on overcoming the armor of God. But sandwiched in between the armor and the enemy is perhaps the greatest bit of wisdom that Paul ever shared with the church. And that was when he tells them what to do when they don't know what to do. He tells us what it will take to defeat an enemy. And he says, when you have done all, Stand. I want to go back and read it carefully because in our, in our King James Version, it's all broken up into verses. But in the original text, there were no numbers. And so 
When you read this text, it's easy for you to put commas in places that you don't need to put commas and put stops where you don't need to put stops. But I want to read it again the way it appears to me in the original. He said, seeing that we have this enemy, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. I like that. When having done all to stand, keep standing. The, the reiteration of that phrase tells me that what he is saying is critically important to the outcome of this story. And that many times the answer to our dilemma is not found in doing something, but in standing for something. And it is perhaps the most difficult battle strategy of all, because every one of us are geared to want to do something. When we are facing problems, when we're dealing with difficult people, when we're going through trouble in our family... There is something natural within us that wants to rise up and seize this thing by the horns and wrestle it to the ground. There's something in every one of us that wants to come up with an answer and we'll stay up all night long. We'll get up in the wee hours of the morning. We'll go to work with it on our mind. We'll drive home with it on our mind trying to work out a solution to our problem and fix whatever is wrong. And therein lies much of the dilemma of our life and much of the frustration of our life in that we are not bidding the Word of God. We are not doing what God commanded us to do in order to win this battle that we so desperately want to win. You would think that what I'm talking about tonight would be the easiest thing in the world to do, to stand. Just to take a stand and keep standing. But I'm here to tell you that that is the most difficult thing that you will ever, ende- you will ever endeavor to do in your spiritual life. Is just take a stand and leave the outcome or allow God to work things out until some better solution comes along. And so it is hard for us. It's, it, it's hard for us. To, to, to understand what it what, what that sounds like. It, it sounds easy. Stand still. That was the command that God gave to Israel. And that's what you'll find in Exodus chapter 14. I, I looked at that story again today. And, and one of the most difficult things for a person to do in times of trouble and stress is what God commanded Israel to do at the Red Sea. The enemy was behind them. On both sides of them were barriers that they could not overcome. And in front of them was the Red Sea. And God commands them with an enemy breathing down their neck and no escape for them to stand still. Now, to me, that sounds rather absurd because I'd ret- <laughs> I would much rather be doing something, especially when the pressure's on. And that's when we get the busiest. And that's when we go the hardest. We find ourselves in such a place, the natural instinct is to do something. We've got to find an answer. But if you're not careful, what happens in times like this 
is that we fall prey to ill advisors that cannot help us and will not help us. And one of those ill advisors is despair. When you find yourself in that place, there is always the advisor that comes along and says, Well, you know, you might as well just lay down and die. It's over, folks. You're not going to get out of this. You're not going to overcome this. You might as well give up. You might as well go back. You can't beat the system. You're not going to make it today. You're not making any headway. You're not going anywhere. Why don't you just curse God and die? There's always that voice that speaks. And that's not the only one that speaks during our times of trouble. There's another spirit that speaks up and it's called cowardice. And it says, hey... There's a way out of this. You can go back. It'd be better for you to give up and go back to the old life and at least live than to be in the dilemma that you're in right now. And so it's too difficult. You can't, you're you're not going to make it. You're not going to see it through. Why don't you just give up, capitulate to your enemy, give in to despair, give up your hope and let it be as it is. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people give up and a lot of people go back. A lot of people think that the life that they used to live is better than what they remember. uh, But it's not. And then there's the impulsive spirit. And that's what most often gets us in trouble. It's that spirit that says you've got to do something. You can't just stand here. You can't just wait. You've got to get up and do something. Something's got to be done, Brother Hughes. We can't just sit here. We, we've got to do something. We can't just stay idle. We, 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 gotta, we, we need to be busy. Come on. Standing. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't sound like much of a battle strategy. Just standing doesn't sound like good wisdom. But the Lord says, stand still. Stand still. We're too busy trying to turn over every rock we can turn over and staying busy. But I've learned one thing about living for God. Movement is not always a sign of progress. Time flies, but that doesn't mean you have to fly with it. Sometimes the best wisdom, sometimes the best battle strategy... Especially when you don't know what to do is just stand still. Stand still. When you've done all that you can do and it hasn't changed. When you've done all that you can do and it's not any better. When you've done all that you can do and it's not looking better. It's not improving. When you've done all that you can do and maybe it's even gotten worse. The hardest thing in the world for you to do is just take a stand and say, you know what? I am going to leave the outcome of this in the hands of God. I believe God has my future in His hand and I am trusting my future to Him. Praise God. Praise God. And then there is presumption. There is that spirit that oftentimes finds people going on anyway. We call it faith, but really it's just presumption. They march into the sea saying, well, you know what? God's going to open a door. But they don't have a word from God to go on. They just go on their own. We think if we can do it, then God will bless it. And we think that if we're doing something, 
We think that our own doing will work wonders, though we have no decisive or direct word from God. But the word of God says, stand. Everybody say, stand. Now, what does that mean, to stand? Well, at first appearance, it seems like indifference. At first appearance, it seems like that you are asking me to do nothing. That at first glimpse that when I read this and Paul said, when you've done all, stand, stand, therefore. When you've done all, stand. And then he says it again, stand. It seems to me that Paul is taking a course of least resistance and saying, when you can't do anything, just give up. But that's not the word at all. It it doesn't mean that you are filled with indifference. And it certainly doesn't mean that you're without prayer or that you're without faith, or that you're without desire. But this is what that word means. When he says, when you have done all to stand, he means to stand in a posture of purpose. The word that is used there is the word that is used in reference to a soldier who is in the line of duty, and he is waiting the order of his commander, and he is standing at attention, but he is standing with purpose. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know when it's going to work out. I don't know where God's going to work it out. I don't know exactly how it's going to be worked out. But I do know that God is going to work it out. And so I am standing as a soldier. I am going to stand with purpose in my life. I am not coming to church and just going through the motions. I'm not coming to church and playing. I'm not going through some ritual. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. I'm going to desire. I'm going to expect. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. I'm going to desire. I'm going to expect. I'm going to stand with that purpose in my life. Stand is a posture of purpose. Standing is not only a posture of purpose, but it is a posture of a person who is ready for action. They may not know exactly what to do, but they're waiting on a command, and as soon as they get that command, they're going to move quickly. Amen. We have too many people who sleepwalk through life, and they sleepwalk through problems. And they sleepwalk. They think if they can, they can sleep it off. But that's not a person with purpose. You've got to stand in the posture of a ready man. Ready for action. Ready for whatever God might tell you to do next. But ready, whatever the case. Ready. Always ready. And the third thing that that means is that you are standing in the posture of promise. It is a posture of a man who is expecting further orders. He is expecting some coming word. And so he is alert, he's on his guard, and he's waiting. Amen. He's anticipating. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. Amen. I don't know how this is going to work out. I just know it's going to work out. How do you know that? I know that because I trusted my life into his hands a long time ago. And I don't believe he has brought me this far to frustrate me now. 
I don't believe that when I gave my life to God years ago that God set out in His purpose to just frustrate my life and make me aggravated all the time. I don't believe that in the least. I believe that everything that's happening to me is happening for a purpose and God has a future in mind for me. He's got something planned for me and if I learn how to obey His command He will take me to that purpose. He'll take me to that promised end. But sometimes all I can do is stand. Amen. Somebody looks at you and says, well, why aren't you doing something? Because God said stand. Amen. Why aren't you doing something, Brother Hughes? Because God said stand. I'm not standing idly. I'm not standing carelessly. I'm not being indifferent. I'm not unconcerned. I'm not disconnected. I am more connected right now than I've ever been. When a soldier is standing at attention, and that's the reference that Paul was making, that soldier is more ready to do something then than at any other time. He is listening for his commander to give the word, and then he will move. But he knows the word is coming. You know what, folks? I've made up my mind a long time ago that God does have something good for me in the future. And I am waiting for that word. I don't care what you see of the next few weeks or the next few months or the next few years. I see something good coming. I said I expect something good. I am still looking for that revival that we've not seen before. I am still expecting prayers to be answered that we have not seen answered. Yet I am still looking for those backsliders to walk through those doors. Why? Because God doesn't give a promise to frustrate me. He gives a promise to keep me. Amen. He gives a promise to encourage me. And God will never go back on his promise. And so he says, Paul, tell him when you've done all and you're trying to find out something else to do, but you run out of things to do and you don't know what to do. He said, stand, stand, stand ready, stand alert. Stand with purpose. Stand in a posture of promise. Stand knowing that something's coming. There's a word coming. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how long it's going to take to get here. I just know there's a word coming. Why do you know that? Because I've been praying for a word. Well, why hasn't God spoken? I don't know. It could be the same problem that God ran into when he was trying to get an answer to Daniel. There may be spiritual war going on up there that we don't even have anything uh, understanding. I just know this, that if you pray, God is going to give an answer. He has promised that in his word. He has promised me he will not go back. He is not slack concerning his promise. And so if God said it, I'm just going to keep standing on it. And I'm not going to stand slouchy and slumped over, half asleep. I'm going to stand alert and ready, waiting, everything on edge, keen, tuned in, sharp, ready to move. Why? Because God's about to give a further command. He said, stand still. But he didn't keep them standing for long. He just had to stop them long enough so he could show them the glory of God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he opens the door and makes a way where there is no way. 
You know what? If God would do that for people that were as rebellious and cantankerous as Israel was, he'll still do it for us. Amen. I said he'll still do it for us. I know we're some honorary people sometimes, but I don't know. I've not seen the honoriness that I've seen in Israel in this place. And if God would make a way for people that he knew in just a few days would be bellyaching and whining and crying and wanting to go back to Egypt and wanting to go back to all the leaks. and go, If God would give a promise like that on that day to people that he knew was going to fail him, he knew they were going to worship a golden calf, he knew they were going to disobey him, but he still gave them because they were his people and he had a future for them and he was going to take them through he was going to see them through he was going to make sure that somebody made it to the promised land now not everybody's going to get to the promised land but I made up my mind a long time ago I've traveled too long to miss it now I've traveled too long to. somebody might miss out on it but I'm not going to miss out on it you know what? Somebody else may give up. Somebody else may say, you know what? You've done everything you can do. You might as well throw in the towel. You might as well give up. You might as well go back. There may be some that would say it's not worth it, but I made up my mind a long time ago. Amen. God said, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Stand. When you can't give an answer and you don't know which way to turn, stand. You know what I've told people through the years and I continue to tell people that will listen and few and fewer people are really wanting to listen anymore, but I tell them if they will. Don't ever make a life-changing decision in a time of crisis. Don't ever make a life-changing decision. Don't ever relocate in a time of crisis. Don't ever run in a time of crisis. Why? Because when you get in that time of crisis, your relocation may solve one problem by giving you new face, faces to look at or new territory to explore, but it doesn't solve the problem. The best thing to do is just stand. You know what? Everything in me is saying run right now. Everything in me is saying get up and run as fast as you can. Everything in me is saying give up. Everything in me saying it's not going to work. Everything in me saying just quit. Everything in me saying go back. But the Word of God says stand. Now I want to ask you, which are you going to believe? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. And His report is, I'm not through yet. This story is not over yet. The finish has not been written yet. And I plan on seeing the promise. Amen. So in order to do that, you're going to have to learn the most difficult strategy of all in battle. And that's just to stand. Amen. Wait, he said, I say, wait on the Lord. That's a hard thing to do, especially when you feel like you've got to do something. Let's stand together.